So, uh, let's get this thing started. Um, I am coming to you uh, from a, the inside of a closet. Um, uh, and T-Rave, you're you're a more civilized human. You're you're probably in some sort of chair or something. I'm, I I am in a chair, and I'm in a uh, a room that we designated for an office, and it shows no resemblance of that. Other than the desk I'm at and the microphone, <laughs> you, you're a you're a lucky man. I thought the inside of a closet. I should hang up blankets or something. Make this. You you should. That could be pretty cool. <laughs> We're making misshaped recording studios uh, just to bring you listeners the best quality we can. So uh, <laughs> obviously Cody is in a closet. I am T Rave. Uh, the closet is located somewhere in the fine world of Kansas City. Yes. And I'm a bit more north in Omaha, Nebraska, which. To, to go into it, how is the weather in your neck of the woods? Because I think our, our, our temperatures are crazy and radically different. Yeah, I, I think right now my my uh, watch, my Pebble watch, which we will talk about today, says 19 degrees Fahrenheit right now. Uh, okay. I have not right. really been outside today. I did check the mail. But uh, I try not to go out into the world, if at all possible, ever. <laughs> so Omaha, Omaha has been fluctuating from sub uh, double digits, so like sub 10 degrees at night, and then it, it's getting upwards of uh, mid-20s to, I don't even think it broke 30 today, but it's it's... Yeah, it's it's wrecking havoc on things in my world. Uh, I am trying to dial in the humidifier for the HVAC system, and there, you, you got small windows to hit, and that that window's too big. So thanks, Omaha weather. Thanks, Omaha. <laughs> <laughs> so what 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 is new in your world, Cody? Getting this started off. So we we're we're going down the end of the the year, of course. So as a consulting unit, I've decided to make tax strategy based uh, purchases to to take down my my income or my taxable income. One of those uh, pieces of equipment was a new Oculus. Uh, because I wanted to test out uh, some different stuff. Maybe there's a new React similar to Angular or another JavaScript front-end framework. And they're making a version of React for VR. Uh, so uh, I wanted to check that out. I wanted to grab an Oculus. I've got some Oculus Touch stuff coming. They're the different little controllers that come with it. We talked about the daydream last time but the oculus is i would say the big mamma jamma of the vr world on par with say the vive it's a much it's a different experience uh it's going to consume my life um and my loved ones will will hate it so that's that's what i am expecting all all for the sake of research of course research for the show (laughs) of course what have you been up to 
Well, uh, not much has changed in my world. Uh, I will say for those listeners tuning in, you can now find all our past episodes uh, throughout the interwebs of podcast subscriptions. Cody did a great job on that. Uh, But from a business side of things, I couldn't talk about it in episode one, but now it's officially Uh, launched into the public. But uh, I work for Flywheel, which is a managed WordPress hosting company. And we launched a new product called Local by Flywheel. And it is a local development application, uh, currently only for Mac, Windows coming soon, uh, that you can locally develop WordPress sites. And uh, it seems kind of uh, strange, uh, in, in different development worlds, you know, you kind of run a server like rails, you can easily run a server on, on your laptop and like all the pieces are just kind of there. Um, but it's always been kind of a struggle in the WordPress world due to like, you know, running the PHP server side of things, running my SQL. Uh, and so, uh, and, and then obviously running the web server. So this is, this is similar to, Things like, you know, ghost blog or, uh, you know, a lot of these types of frameworks have a way to spin up a local server uh, throughout the process. And then you can then put that on a cloud based server. Yep. yep. Yeah. And so, yeah, it runs all locally. It, it does some really cool technology pieces under the hood, uh, including uh, Docker containership. Nice. And so uh, uh, it's 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 as simple as you need it, but as complex and crazy as that you can touch as well. So, uh, we've been really excited about that and, uh, yeah, it's, it's just kind of a, uh, a different approach at a problem that's never been solved, uh, great, like in a great manner in WordPress. Outside of that, uh, nothing, nothing too crazy has uh, been going on over here other than trying to tame that damn humidity in the, in the house. <laughs> we, we actually got a humidifier and we monitor the nest pretty pretty frequently in order to kind of get into I, I don't I think it's like 40% is what human comfort levels are supposed to be yeah i mean the problem comes with the fluctuation of weather and for all you people out there that have uh, uh are newer to the either the homeowning or having a humidifier uh as the temperature drops you need to drop the relative humidity uh, as i've been reading and because uh it can definitely uh too much condensation in the house can actually uh you know create in the attic which can later cause you know mold and different things new things as a new homeowner i I, i've never really had to deal with this stuff so you have to kind of kind of keep your eye on it especially with uh fluctuation in temperature but that's boring let's move (laughs) on to what this episode is actually about wait 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 (laughs) we've we've gone into the relative humidity levels of homes We've gone into how to set up a development environment. I, I think that we've bored anyone who is listening to this this if episode st- thus far. If you're still around, thank you. <laughs> thank you, thank you for humoring us. But this is this is how Cody and uh, myself rabbit hole down things. But you are here for this episode as we talk about wearables. Yes. Um, Cody, take it over with uh, what's going on in the Pebble world, since you own a Pebble. The big question, are wearables dying? And we saw this week, um, or rather last week, that Pebble was being acquired, rather assets of Pebble, intellectual property, that sort of thing, were being acquired uh, by Fitbit. 
Um, if you're unfamiliar, Pebble was the first real smartwatch. Um, they were record-breaking in the Kickstarter crowdfunding space, and they've had successive Kickstarters uh, raising several million dollars each each time. They've been the darling of the smartwatch uh, community, and what makes it compelling is it's an e-ink display similar to what you see in the Kindles. Uh, the battery life lasts for a week at a time. It has always glanceable kind of stuff. Uh, really, there's no wearable, no smartwatch that can compete um, on any of those types of things uh, in existence. So to see kind of Pebble go down the wayside is is disconcerting. I actually bought another one the day I found out about this because I didn't know if it was ever going to return. And so if I ever wanted to develop an app for it, I wanted to have another version uh, or another watch if, if this one broke. There's been a huge community that's built app ecosystems uh, around this, several of which have included there's a an insulin pump <laughs> that runs off off these Pebble watches. So that's just one kind of thing as they're shuttering these doors. Like there's all these DIY and actually critical health applications that run off these types of watches. It's really sad to see it go down like that. Yeah, and it's it's interesting. So, I mean, Fitbit, they're arguably another, I mean, pioneer of wearables. And, we, you know, when we talk about wearables, uh, there's a lot of different kind of categories. But, you know, uh, you have kind of the fitness bands or the, you know, the pieces that you wear on your your belt uh where fitbit kind of started uh was on kind of a belt loop um and then you have watches uh that you're you know you'd be familiar with and then you know obviously uh some some people have forayed into glasses so you know pebble to fitbit uh if you only heard that headline i think that a lot of people would be like oh okay that's i mean that's you know, a company has to do what they have to do, um, but that is not the case uh, as as we're finding out. It's very much of, hey, we're we're kind of taking over their patents, we're taking over their 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 IP, and then you know we're kind of shutting the doors. Uh, what I read is, you know, the hardware warranties are like now void, so they're not honoring any of that. Uh, Pebble has to kind of deal with the debt that they're in. Uh, and you know, as we said, Pebble became very popular, uh, due to the, the very, uh, you know, great Kickstarter that they ran. And they were actually a Kickstarter that I think they're one of the first that did a hardware piece and actually delivered time and time <laughs> they, again. They did. Right? they did. And, and, and it's been unfortunate because, uh, you know, as, as you found out, Pebble got bought, there's the reported amount of money that they sold out for, uh, which was kind of barely in the ballpark of clearing the debt that they had. Right. What's crazy, though, is the CEO turned down two offers in the span of about a year, year and a half. Um, one of them was from Intel. Another one was from uh, another company. I can't remember what it was. The first offer that he turned down was $700 million. The second one was, I think, 70, and they ended up selling for rather like 40 or something like that. Well, and that, yeah, that's, I mean, that's the thing is that number is not even, you know, public. So we, you know, I, 
I've seen numbers gross from 15 to 40. Like, I mean, there's a wide window there for sure. But to have a company that you could have sold for 700 in 2015 and then you're selling the company's assets wholesale in a in a pretty like <laughs> it's a pretty predatory kind of sale from Fitbit. They just had to get out. Uh, it was a fire sale. Uh, it was. And, yeah, it was. So we don't want to dwell directly on Pebble going to Fitbit. Um, but more, I think, Cody, you, you, you teed it up nicely is our wearables dying is, you know, kind of the overarching thing. Uh, Pebble being one of, you know, a very mainstream uh, or a, a very tight knit community, we'll call it uh, not only in developers, but I know everyone who has ever owned a Pebble uh, has probably had multiple Pebbles because they loved them so much. But, you know, take that back, you know, community. Uh, just because you have a strong community doesn't mean you'll last forever. Uh, but that may be an indicator for the whole market in general. Yeah, Apple's gotten into some flack recently on on the plateauing of that market, and they've been struggling a bit to, to sell more. I, I think that's the general trend that you're seeing in wearables uh, generally is this plateauing, that maybe the entire market has kind of been captured and... If you look at the sales cycle, if you're going to get a Fitbit or if you're going to get a Jawbone um, or even a Pebble, there isn't a reoccurring reason to continue buying that next product from the company. You have that watch. It's going to last for a couple years, especially if you keep giving it updates. You know, your Fitbit works. It's a pedometer. Adding, um, you know, a heart rate sensor uh, on a watch or something like that isn't something that a lot of people are looking for and the accuracy of both the the tracker etc is is not as precise as people like if you think about it too it's it's a it's a health product and as far as the common consumer goes you know we're we're coming up on the new the new year they're going to get that fitbit for christmas whatever and then they're going to see it in a drawer, you know, two months down the line, just people don't like hardware that supplements a behavioral activity that they often don't do. And of the population that actually gives a shit about health um, and and buys equipment to measure those types of things, I would I would have to assume that it's very small compared to the broader market of, say, smartphones or or anything like that. Yeah, I, and I think you you touched on two points there that uh, I was wanting to kind of explore. And I mean, the first is so the barrier to entry on most uh, most wearables is a hundred dollars plus. Uh, when you get into the watches, they get they they get a, you know more expensive. We saw that with the the Moto three sixty, which I you know both of us have owned. I still think it's the best uh, wearable I've ever owned. Um, but then you know, on the lower end, you have the fitness bracelets. And then on the higher end, uh, you know, from some of these companies, uh, you do have, you know, kind of the next, I I wouldn't even say the next generation of, you know, uh, wearables in the glasses market, because Google Glass tried to do that and, and kind of ditched that project pretty, pretty quick. But the barrier to entry, like, I mean, it's a lofty, you're when you're forking over a 100 plus dollars, 
that I mean that's that's a that's a bit and then you know like you said they either end up in a drawer or over time you're like it, it leads me to the next point where it's you're collecting this data and at first you're like oh I have all this data I have a you know a data rich life but then you don't do anything with it and I'm not saying that that's for everyone but I'm gonna go out on a limb to say that most consumers aren't data mining <laughs> their their health data in in a way that makes sense. Right. And Apple's the only one that's that included HealthKit worked with the Mayo, but that's really not a mainstream thing. You you haven't really seen say EMR integration or this broader kind of play to try to get at the quantified self in a real way hooked into your medical records. Right. I mean, you know, by default, you turn on like, oh, you know, encourage me to get to, you know, 10,000 steps or whatever it is. But like you continue, like if you're not on top of it, you continually fail and this data is being stored. But you like it's like out of sight, out of mind. Right. You have to launch an app. That app like, you know, will tell you things. But at the same time, it's like you said, like, you know, who is quantifying it to a point that actually like drives them into, uh, you know, a life of continuing that. And, you know, for some people it does, but I I've been kind of suckered into that as well Is where I'm like, Oh, I want to track my steps. So I start tracking my steps. I'm like, okay, cool. And like, it starts to kind of wean down. And then I go, man, I want to kind of track my heart, you know, my heart rate through the day or, you know, during whatever. And so I kind of get interest again. And then that goes down. And I'm like, okay, I don't care. Like, I actually don't care. And then it's like, it's almost like, uh, for me, buying buying a wearable product has almost been that, yeah, well, if I buy it, of course, I'm going to be encouraged to do it. And again, it ends up in a drawer. I mean, people buy wearables because they want to take that next step. The same reason that they buy a treadmill, because they understand that it's a significant behavioral change in order to adopt healthy habits or to care about ongoing, you know, exercise or, or whatever it is. And I feel like, you know, we've seen Jawbone struggle. We've seen Apple Watch struggle. We've even seen Fitbit struggle. The companies that have stayed in this game as long as they have are the ones that have focused corely on health and taken that lynch market which is say Fitbit, um, the ones that are relatively cheap, uh, and have good battery life, don't have to charge them all the time. So I know you and I are both fans of that Moto 360, but it was night and day when I had to, you know, flip my wrist to see the screen where I have to put that on a charger every day where that thing is really, really thick. Uh, and still not really water resistant, you know, there's, so we're looking at price, we're looking at behavior changes, we're looking at bad battery life, we're looking at bad screen technology, in, in every way, you're going after a niche market to do all these friction points, um, and so that's, that's kind of the question, the hypothesis of who's, what are wearables going to be in the next couple years? Will they come down and fix some of those issues? I I think that the biggest uh, the biggest promise in this kind of space is Snapchat, which is a weird weird <laughs> situation because it, we we saw Google Glass die. Which now Google Glass is 
has a host of weird things associated <laughs> with it outside of outside of even just the political environment in which um what sergey you know was was maybe involved with one of the product kind of directors and you know anytime you put something directly on someone's face you know it's a problem it's an alien kind of uncanny valley like people were getting beat up <laughs> because of of google glass glass holes i mean so culture there was a subculture that kind of formed out of here that was despised by a huge portion of the population as this kind of niche valley grade thinking um but snapchat took that and they didn't try to do augmented reality they made it sexy they turned it into an entertainment play they made it almost hedonic in 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 its uh application um and they made it in a thin profile good battery life sunglasses like they've hit on all these cultural points and then controlled the scarcity of it with these kind of uh, these kind of vending machine right, pop up right. situation. It's not fair to compare Google Glass and Snapchat where uh, Snapchat spectacles, and that is like I mean it's a, it's easy to say well they're both wearables they're both like part of technology so they and they both live on your face. But that's not where it stops. And the spectacles, yeah, they took a different approach. And at first when I heard about it, I was, I was very, uh, I was like, oh, here we go again. But, at, you know, as they actually formulated uh, what I think is a very intentional play and a very intentional uh, plan on rollout, I was like, okay, this is this is different. And, it, you know, Snapchat, Snapchat is like a weird environment in, in its own it's it's not it's not like, different in the sense that you know google glass had a much larger vision for what it was and incorporated augmented reality which you know even the augmented stuff it was it was suspect that it might even hurt eye your eyes to even use this but it's still recorded from a pov situation right. it, it dumped that video out they they tried to do a lot of stuff i would say that where Google Glass was this kind of vision of the future, Snapchat is more incremental and sexy in in its approach. But I, I actually think that you know Glass and Snapchat are the same, at least on on one of those narrow approaches. It's just the scope and vision of of what that product uh, look like up front. Well, and I, I think the the thought or argument there is, you know, do you do you try to uh, make version one everything you want it to be, or do you make it simple and you get it out the door? Because I mean, that was the biggest thing with Google Glass is is hard to adopt, right? Like you couldn't. Well, you know that Snapchat wouldn't have existed unless glass had existed before it it's right, not like right. these guys showed up at the same time it was pretty clear that snapchat made these glasses after google glass died and they learned a big lesson from it well yeah and uh, yeah I, I won't i won't subtract from that but you know simple you know sometimes you gotta you you gotta start simple to then see where you need to go and you know it, it's definitely more approachable uh in in so many different ways but also i mean snapchat is you know it's it's a unique social media platform that has its own kind of community that you know kind of strays away from the other you know popular like twitter and instagram 
and so you're you're saying Google Plus wasn't a, a good platform. <laughs> <laughs> I still it blows my mind every time like I, I I land on a page somewhere and it's like oh you got updates I'm like cool what do I have updates on and I'm like what Google Plus is it still Google Plus because there's like circles at one point I don't know we reminisce about all these like Google products but it's definitely like I'm like oh that's Oh, that's still a thing. Whew. I feel sorry yeah, for Yeah, it's it's definitely still a thing. And I mean, they obviously took a, a lot of good good points, you know, from Facebook and that sort of thing. I, I still like circles. As far as friend management stuff, the funny thing was that Facebook just wholesale took all of that that group work mm-hmm. and uh, the way you organize privacy and stuff. Mm-hmm. They made it Facebooky, but it was it was pretty much the same concept. It didn't have the sexy animation and circle <laughs> kind of deal, but they they learned again. Google is kind of like the pioneer corpse that you come across as you're kind of going down the wagon. And if you're a Facebook or a Snapchat or whatever, you have to give Google credit for trying these types of things. You know, stepping into the pool. And then as you watch them get smashed by a wave, these guys standing on the outskirts are like, huh, well, mm, we could probably just steal a bunch of that stuff and uh, it'll be good. I think we could incorporate that, that right into our product and make it super cool. Yeah, like- <laughs> <laughs> yeah you, you can never uh, say that Google didn't try and Google didn't innovate. Uh, and, you know, for any product designer slash developer that made something at Google, I I can only hope that they can smile down the road where they're like, oh, my product didn't make it under the Google name, but that darn feature made it into that that crazy that cra- <laughs> every, yeah, other it, every other competitor every other competitor um but that but yeah so w- i mean but but at the same time if if you think about it let's let's be fair i mean google is an ad company they build you know killer robots and all these other things to make us feel better about about their innovation style but at the end of the day it's getting people on the internet um and selling to them ads though i think they have been trying now to be a little more fiscally responsible, build products that actually have revenue streams in the near future to build out. I mean, all that to kind of, you know, kind of loop it back around. Uh, I mean, kind of the last kind of... Do you think wearables are dying? I I, I do believe... Well, I I think they certainly plateaued. Uh, It's hard to imagine... And this can be said about a lot of products, but it's hard to imagine uh, what the next generation of wearables looks like in the current status. So, like, I'm talking and I'm not saying like drastic leaps. I'm saying I I think this is the hindering point for wearables. So, like, you know, from Fitbit version one to Fitbit version whatever is now, you know, how does it greatly differ in version three series down that intrigues people to you know keep it going and you know it's we're not in a lack of companies that are working towards wearables you know when i look up angel list well i mean now we are well we're i mean <laughs> we're, we're watching these guys die out well yes but at the drought. same time uh, you know when i typed in wearables into angel list you know a, a directory for startups around the world 753 noted companies came up now that doesn't mean they're like still existing and still surviving or still, you know, building or whatever. But like that number actually shocked me. Cause like 
as a as a consumer, as, you don't see those types of things on a Best Buy shelf, right? You know, you you see Wythings, you see um, you see Fitbit, you see Jawbone now to a lesser extent, and you see Apple Watch, and those are, you know, it's it's something to be said. A lot of people are working on these problems, but the ones that are going to show up in your grandma's stocking next year are not going to be the ones on Angel List yeah. <laughs> for looking for funding. Um, but I mean, just on that curve, on the innovation curve, I mean, you always have the feeding frenzy on the front end. And as those folks die, refine and pivot, you end up getting in higher investment and then being able to kind of push into mainstream markets. But I mean, at the end of the day, on the, certainly on the health side, I don't know what they're going to include on Fitbit version 30 or whatever, That isn't just a better tracker or more precise. If people don't give a shit about these things now, I don't know why having more precise sensors and even the battery life on those those Fitbits are really good. Watches, not so much. But if you make, there's even if you're going to have a $30, $50, whatever, they're not going to go down the budget play because certainly in the watch space, you're trying. They're trying to show that these are status symbols, like the whole the Apple Watch, um, tag, uh, all these guys, even Wythings. You know, the, the reason these watches are so expensive are because they position them to be jewelry. They position them to be status symbols. Pebble was interesting in the sense that they actually positioned their product to be something sexy to developers because they wanted to see how much of an app ecosystem they could build out. And the first Pebble was this chunky piece of plastic. And then the most recent stuff has been more of the, you know, these more sleek Pebble steel, Pebble, Pebble time steel kind of deals that look like proper watches. Um, but I just don't see what sensors they would include in these things to make them more compelling because you're still running into all these friction points of price behavior. Um, people aren't data scientists. They don't they're not going to be modeling their <laughs> their, you know, health stuff. And it still doesn't have integration into medical record stuff, which is also a thing that certainly Americans don't care much about. Um I'm curious if if having a wearable would knock down your health insurance or something like that. That's something that a lot of people have, or a lot of companies have have tried to explore. But I mean, at the same time, how do you prove that out? Right. Again, even the doctors aren't really data scientists. The health insurance companies don't aren't aren't data science companies. Um, I just I don't know where you go with that. Snapchat is interesting because it's got the entertainment play. Well, and I think uh, to piggy off, you know, that Snapchat, you know, I think where the current wearables and speaking of like what you wear on your wrist, I, I you know, I, I do think that they plateaued and uh, not to, to beat a dead horse or continue to bring it up in obscene amount. But I think Pebble actually had it right in, you know, the price, the battery, like all those things. It's sad to see them go. But I think where we're going to start seeing or where I'd hope we start shifting uh, and depending on the person again, uh, but wearable cameras, you know, GoPro is, I mean, I don't think we even really well, GoPro's in trouble too. <laughs> well, <laughs> so yes, but GoPro's like, but actually I mean, in the same kind of space. 
as wearables to an extent, but GoPro has saturated their market out and they've they've also started making missteps on the drone space because DJI has been eating their lunch. The karma and everything was is has been a fiasco for them. Right. But like in the in the sense of, you know, where we'll be getting into VR more in another episode. But, I, you know, I, I think, you know, you don't have a great live VR when I say live, like real life interaction, uh, you know, VR experiences until you have better like 360 cameras. And how do you you know, how do you experience someone else's world in a uh, a great VR experience in a, you know, a 360 degree kind of, uh, world. Uh, and so I think that market is, is tappable and definitely it starts to skew from what, you know, what we currently think is wearables. Um, but it is, I mean, at the end of the day, like you start to dabble into wearables, uh, to capture that footage and to, and to, you know, bring that to people, whether it is someone's life or you're just experiencing, a 360 degree world of like, you know, national parks or whatever it may be through like a hiker's lens. I, you know, I, I don't know what that fully looks like, but VR capture is something that I'm, I'm watching pretty closely because you're right. I think that if you can, if you can democratize content in a VR space and have things like the pixel, uh, Samsung gear, VR, those types of things, even cardboard to just access that content um, I think we're so new in that space that it's still pretty novel, but being able to have a good 360 camera that, you know, 360 cameras are really new and they don't do a lot of things right yet. Yeah, but if a lot you to can, be desired. If you can be able to capture that, that photosphere or whatever it is in an easy, inexpensive way, um, then I, I think that that is the new Instagram in a sense, being able to go to one place. Um, you know, I did a couple of these things when I was in Ireland and just, if you're on a grassy knoll overlooking the ocean with this ancient rock just all around you, that's, that's a moment that people care about that is very Instagram esque, but it adds another depth and it adds the ambiance. If you capture the sound and those types of things, that I think will be compelling. To your point with the wearable stuff, uh, I, you know, one thing that I can see wearables going into, um, and I know Google has kind of explored a little bit about this, but like Project Jacquard was a way to create intelligent fiber systems to embed tech into clothes, but it's still too prohibitive. Uh, people don't think of clothes in in... Even if it's disposable, the tech embedded in it is still super pricey. This is it's more in sports, sports tech than it is in a consumer play. Yeah, and I mean, ultimately, at the end of the day, it's you know a price price barrier. It's tough now. It's it's you know tough for the foreseeable future. Um, and by the time prices do come down, like, do we even care? <laughs> I mean, that's the big question: is do we care? Because to have a compelling product, it's not even the implementation or the price or or any of these types of things. It's are people even looking for for the for that solution? I feel like wearables went out and they said we have a solution, but we're looking for a problem. And to the fact that most folks don't know what to do with these data streams and 
again, they're not being, their health insurance isn't subsidized by it. There's like, why do you want a wearable when, when people are uh, a little more Luddite, um, they, there was a recent study that uh, in in the UX world, where where I kind of reside, there was a recent study from uh, the Norman Nielsen Group um, that showed that something like seventy or eighty percent of of people can't do uh, are are have really big trouble with complex tasks, and complexity was designed or was was defined in all these other things. But it's basically like. Even using a wearable, even using a smartphone, even using Facebook, um, those are all on a spectrum of complexity. And the vast amount of people using technology aren't capable of of approaching, understanding, or utilizing the technology coming out of most of these large companies right now, which means that there's a smaller market that's being able to access it. Well, I, I would say from my end, just to kind of start winding this down, if if the current wearables were not a thing today, and I'm talking about mostly the fitness uh, bracelets, which I've owned several of, uh, and I'm currently using a jawbone, and the watches kind of disappeared. Like, they, they weren't a thing, or tomorrow it was declared wearables are dead, I would not shed a tear, and I would be almost fine with it. <laughs> I think you are are among the the multitude of people in the same boat. I mean, I was sad to see that Pebble go, but I've also been one to open up the Pebble's development environment and try to make something with it, which I'm non-representational and into a to an extent, I mean, you're also not. <laughs> you work for a temp tech company. I mean, um we we have different nerd uh, requirements or, or nerd hobbies that, that make wearables more attractive. But the vast amount of people, I, I don't think, understand how to use their smartphone uh, <laughs> fully, not utilize it completely. So to have a supplemental piece of equipment, taking a data stream off that is just something I don't see happening. And I don't really see in the future, at least in the near future, a compelling reason for them to care, which is not where I thought I would end up be- being on this argument. Frankly, <laughs> I know, I know, I, 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 I'm gonna be honest. I walked into this episode like, no, where you know, there's a lot of good things in wearables, and now that we break it down, I still, like I said, if they disappear tomorrow, I'm, I'm salty. I'm salty with Pepple and and now my worldview is just bleak. I've always like I've always enjoyed what Pebble was trying to be, what Pebble was, the people who followed Pebble, and then this news basically just pointed out, well shoot. I guess I'm not owning a Pebble anytime soon or ever. And so now now, now I'm sad about that. 2016. Like this is <laughs> this is where I'm at. Is it's as we we kick into this 2017 year, I I can only say it's it's been a it's been a barrel of monkeys this year. I I just <laughs> it's been a it's been a bad time. Who would have thought that 2016 was going to be the year of the sticker? Every app right doing stickers, and here we are. Ditch ditch everything. Mm. Go simple. 
I don't know, add novelties to all your gimmicks and people will love it. We should do some sort of recap of 2016 or or like, you know, look at a past year that makes this all okay. Yeah. Or maybe look towards 2017 and and we're like, okay, at least at least we get drones <laughs> or, or you know, autonomous cars, something, please just give me something that I can be excited about that isn't isn't this this dreary kind of bleak future. <laughs> well, <laughs> well, good send-off note, yeah, I'd say. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> on the, on that burning ship that we're kicking out into the ocean. Uh, as always, Viking funeral. <laughs> Viking funeral to to 2016. Uh, as always, Cody and I uh, appreciate you listening to our, our voices ramble on about God knows what. Uh, remember to find us on all your podcasting applications, iTunes, Stitcher, uh, Pocket Cast, Google Podcast, I, I, Google Music Podcast. Google Music, yeah, yeah, that's on there. We're, 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 we're out there. Cody, Cody did some legwork. He got us out there. Feel free to share with uh, friends and family uh, if, you know, if you want to kind of make people suffer through us but <laughs> but again thank you for for joining us for yet another episode in the blown pixel world i am t rave and i'm cody beasley and we'll see you later 